Let me make sure I have everything that I need. I have the time is. I've got the show notes. Hooray. I have my phone on silent. That Oh, that's an important one. <laughs> uh, I went to go to put my phone on silent. It was already on silent. And because of that, I missed a text from you that says, in all caps, now you fucked up. <laughs> I found a cool GIF that I sent you in the chat because it didn't send over iMessage properly. Oh, no, it didn't. What is, it? is it this one of Kaiba standing in front of Obelisk, Obelisk. the Tormentor? Yeah. Yeah. So Obelisk's face is just like in his it's belly, just teeth. right? Yeah. Well, no, there's eyes. There's little There's little red doodads. Hello, I'm Obelisk the Tormentor. <laughs> I'm here to torment you. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the the pug of the dual monsters world. <laughs> he is kind of fuck ugly, isn't he? Yeah, a little bit. This poor guy, what's his deal? Well, his deal is that he paid his dentist more than it was worth. I think. <laughs> I, I want to make sure everyone can see your beautiful pearly whites. So let's uh, just go in here and get rid of your lips. Oh yeah, that's like a weird, a weird power play nah, plastic nah, nah, surgery. Nah, 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 yeah. nah. Did you ever do that thing in in school where like you you rub your upper teeth so they're dry so your lip oh, sticks and, and then you tape your nose curls. up? I remember uh, trying to do it after I saw Calvin do it in a Calvin and Hobbes strip. Yeah, I mean it didn't work very as well. As did we all. But that's essentially what Obelisk looks like <laughs> all the time. Poor Egyptian god. Yeah, he's got such a teeny tiny little pinhead. And well, then the rest of him is just biceps strapped to different parts of him. No, that's the thing is he's he's all head in this gif is the thing, right? I need to pull up a still image of him now. He's like super he's like a giant a giant with like a tiny pinhead at the very top. I've got a big head and little arms. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, it is kind of a disappointing head. <laughs> you want to talk about him on the podcast instead? Yeah, we should make a podcast. time to did it did it did whoa see jimmy this is what happens <laughs> we're when we start already jumping we're into recording. It. <laughs> it's time to podcast hello everyone welcome to you activated my podcast the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh recap podcast i'm tyler and i'm roman mars welcome to you activated my podcast roman mars here uh guesting from 99 percent invisible it's a little podcast you may have heard of Roman's here to talk about the design of Obelisk the Tormentor, one of the Egyptian god cards. Uh, Roman, you, you tell me that this has some roots in an ancient art form. Is that correct? Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, it's called being fuck ugly. <laughs> really? And who, 
who uh who who sort of um you know developed that uh that art form because i would imagine that would take some some sort of craft uh it was designed by actually not the ancient egyptians but by a man in gaul called obelix ah i see interesting and and uh obelix was a sort of a, a popular figure oh yeah he uh he's a he's a pretty well-known uh figure he has numerous uh uh, he, like even into the modern age, just a popular figure, especially in Europe. And come on, work with me, Tyler. Do you got, you know who Obelix is? I right? got nothing. I'm so sorry. What? Oh, you mean you mean from uh, Asterix from and Asterix Obelix? And yeah, Obelix. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, I was making a joke about Obelix. <laughs> I couldn't tell if that's the direction you were going. Um, but who I'm are you Jimmy. really? Hi, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, on this show, we talk about Yu-Gi-Oh uh, and its environs. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about episode four of season two, which is called Obelisk, the Tormentor. Before we talk about that, though, uh, Jimmy, you have, well, you have two pieces of video game related news that I see you brought to the table here. Yeah. Uh, first off, you played Jump Force. How was that? Yes, I did play Jump Force. Well, I say I played Jump Force, but I played it for like maybe half an hour waiting for some friends to show up for sure. a game, but I was able to... Well, I spent like the first 10 minutes of that making my own OC, do not steal, my own anime character to run around punching people. I didn't even know that was an option in the game. Oh yeah, it's like literally the first thing you do is make your own anime character to help save the anime worlds. That's pretty good. And the real world. Nice. And even my OC is named, um, what is his name? Oh yeah, Cherry Bomb. He's a guy with like a real shitty beard and bright like purple reddish hair who is dressed entirely in just his pajamas who got woken out of bed and had to save the world like just like that. Nice. Anyway, I played Jump Force uh, and I did have Yugi on my team and um, it was pretty fun. I'm not usually that sort of uh, like fighting game player. Mm hmm. Just the the kind where you have to like get all the combos exactly right and know all the different buttons. But in Jump Force, as far as I could tell, the mo- all the combos are basically the same character to character. Uh, they just do they just have different moves. Oh, sure. Kind of like so Smash Brothers. Yeah, I was gonna say it's kind of like Smash Brothers in that way, where the the button yeah. combinations are very similar, but the the effect is different. Yeah. And Yugi's effect is he's running around with a dual disc and summoning cards to help him in battle. Mostly Dark Magician, uh, who kind of appears just like in front of him or behind him to like use magic on your opponent. Um, And then you can switch it like there's like a little menu you can go into to switch mid battle to different draw different cards. Uh, Swords of Revealing Light is one move uh, where you just shoot the swords out at someone. Um... There's another one where you bring out Dark Magician Girl, uh, obviously, for fan service. Yeah, um, naturally. And then his like ultimate move, once you do enough combos, is Slifer the Sky Dragon. Nice. But it's kind of ridiculous seeing Slifer the Sky Dragon come out as this like, ultimate powerful move. And it's still just like a fighting game, so it deals like maybe a quarter of your opponent's life damage. Right, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like a cool finishing move, but like if you pull it out too early, it's kind of just... A move yeah and then uh, kaiba's, to... kaiba's finishing move is um obelisk the tormentor if i'm not mistaken is that right i didn't get to play as kaiba okay uh 
my friend hadn't unlocked him yet, but uh, I imagine he'd play very similar to Yuki. Okay. I mean, from the videos, it seems that way. But yeah. That's cool. Uh, this other piece of video game news, I I think maybe I had sent to you because I vaguely remember yeah. this, but I don't remember the details. Do you want to do you want to talk about this one? I was hoping you could talk about it because you oh. sent it to me, <laughs> and I thought it was interesting enough to put in our podcast. Yeah, let me find let me find the original article. So, uh, one of the things uh, that listeners may know about me is that I get really into watching like speedrun videos of of uh, video games. Um, okay, let's see. If I just Google Yu-Gi-Oh! speedrun, maybe it'll come up. Uh, so apparently there is a pretty big speedrunning community for uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh! games. Uh, specifically like Forbidden Memories is a really popular one. Uh, and effectively for people who don't know, like when I say speedrunning a video game, I just mean, uh, you know, beating it as fast as you can. Literally doing a, a run whose point is speed. That's uh, the name. Hence the name. Um, okay, let's see what we got here. Uh, so a thing that happened recently, uh, the first one is Reddit, which means I don't know how uh, reliable it is. Accurate. Uh, yeah. So uh, effectively what happened was is there was uh, a, a speedrunner, or is a speedrunner, rather, um, who uh, had a really good time for a really long, uh, you know, I almost had a really good time for a really long time, but for, <laughs> for a long time, they were like one of the, uh, you know, considered one of the best uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Forbidden Memory speedrunners. Uh, and then it came out that they had actually been uh, cheating, which is a yes. weird thing to do for a Yu-Gi-Oh! game, but also like kind of appropriate for a Yu-Gi-Oh game, I guess. <laughs> uh, now I cannot find the original article that I sent to you, Jimmy. I'm trying to find it too, and I can't find it either. Do we both dream this? Is this a... <laughs> a, sh- a shared memory. So uh, the uh, one that I found is on Reddit, uh, posted by uh, user GFC underscore. Um, so it's in reference to... Uh, a, a, a gamer called uh, Kavera Games, C-A-V-E-I-R-A Games. Uh, and, okay, so effectively what happened was is they were you know trying to claim uh, that they had this like new insane time for Yu-Gi-Oh! Forbidden Memories, uh, but the, the video had uh, dropped frame rates in it like just unexpected drops in the video. Like it would just cut out. Uh huh. And so people started doing like, you know, investigations like, okay, like where is this happening in the game? Why is this happening? Can I replicate this? And it turned out that like they were, uh, just spoofing the game. They were completely cheating. And I, I apologize. I misremembered. So it was somebody who was, basically a newbie to the speedrunning scene had all of a sudden skyrocketed to the top. And this was why is they had like, and they'd gone in and like actually yeah. like edited the video. Right. Exactly. Like drop some frames here and there to make it look like they're recording software or whatever. wasn't working right. Uh, and yeah, so, so this, this post from GFC says, uh, in the video, uh, which was removed from YouTube, 
There are multiple incredibly obvious signs that he is cheating using GameShark or similar program like Cheat Engine on the emulator he's using. One of the most obvious was when he wins the card Beast Fangs. When you win a card in Forbidden Memories, it shows the name of the card and the ID of the card, uh, some number out of 722. When you won Beast Fangs, the ID of the card did not match Beast Fangs. This is not a glitch that happens in Forbidden Memories and has never happened to anyone. It is only possible to get that with that ID via cheating. Ah, so So, they like did some video editing trickery. Well, so they did they did trickery with the game shark, and then it sounds like they did video editing trickery on top of it to <laughs> make it less Two obvious. kinds of tripper, trickery right? <laughs> to make it less obvious that the game shark was in play. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna keep this open, and I'll post it in the show notes. I just thought it was interesting, like that that is a a thing that people feel like they need to do is you know cheat in speedruns that like if you cheat in a, in a game like while you're playing that's fine like you know i love cheat codes in games like god yeah. mode in a video game is super fun because then you can just sort of mess around if you cheat specifically for a speed run where it's a thing where like other people are working super hard to find exploits in the game to go faster like really the only person you're actually cheating is yourself like i know that yeah. that's the common saying for cheating but like in this case it's more so because they're going to find you <laughs> like people, people take this stuff very seriously and they're going to figure out like, Hey, wait a second. You're not doing this correctly. Yeah. These people are going to go in frame by frame to see how you did this and yeah, realize literally. that you're just screwing around. It's just stolen valor in video games. Right. Yeah. Like that's it's it, Yes. It will make your time look impressive, but it will not win you any friends. What an incredibly niche thing to fake. I know. And that's and that's the thing that I was saying is it's kind of appropriate that it is Yu-Gi-Oh, though, because yeah. <laughs> that's the way that everybody tries to win in this show. <laughs> so congratulations, Kavera Games, for becoming an actual Yu-Gi-Oh character <laughs> in, your, in your attempt for greatness, I guess. Uh, before we talk about the episode, I wanted to also bring up, I made fun of uh, the hosts of the new Yu-Gi-Oh news show, that official Yu-Gi-Oh YouTube news show. I made fun of them, and I I want to apologize for that because I made fun because they weren't eh, maybe necessarily the most enthusiastic about their jobs, and they actually ended up releasing an episode uh, on the show where it comes up, and they're like, we get asked all the time, what gives you the right to host a Yu-Gi-Oh! news show? <laughs> and they literally what are, say you, these what words. are your Yu-Gi-Oh! credentials? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, Sam folks, and Dan, if you're listening to this podcast, our credentials are Jack and Squat. So, yeah. see my card. It says Nanya Business. Uh, <laughs> my so, card is just blank. <laughs> it's uh, that Doctor Who psychic paper. Um, so the 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 hosts Sam and Dan on the the official Yu-Gi-Oh! show were actually also voice actors on the show. Um, they have actually pretty cool roles in Vrains. Uh, Sam plays, I think it's Sam. I can't get them straight. Uh, Sam plays, uh, the lead character's older brother, uh, while Dan plays actually the main antagonist of Vrains, which is pretty cool. Oh. Uh, and then both of them were, uh, a few characters in, I guess I've been pronouncing the name of this series incorrectly, uh, Arc 5. Not Arc V. I've been saying Arc V for a long time because there is no indication that this is a Roman numeral. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but Arc Five apparently they were both uh, several characters. So the V cool. in Arc V stands for brains. Oh God. <laughs> I I still I I hold to my my guns that if it had gotten fans as opposed to people who worked on the show that like it would be a more interesting news show because it's kind of clear that they're just reading from a teleprompter. But I don't want to, you know, uh, these guys are doing the Lord's work as far as like being people who work on the show and do a new show. I, I have to respect that bit. So uh, my apologies for making fun of them like a month ago or whenever that, that episode came out. Um, but anyway, yeah. So if you haven't watched the Yu-Gi-Oh! News show, I would recommend actually going and watching it because, hey, it's made by people who work on the show. So that's kind of cool. Um, should we talk about this episode? Yeah, let's do it. All right. It's time to discuss the episode. So, Jimmy, okay, so this episode is called <laughs> Obelisk the Tormentor because it's uh-huh. about our good friend Abby. And uh, it has a really good <laughs> translated title. <laughs> I was l- waiting for you to talk about this translated title. This is great. So the original translated title from Japanese is This City Will Become battle city it's actually it was domino city the whole time that becomes battle city right (laughs) maybe the real battle city was the friends we made along the way battle city was inside you all along (laughs) uh this city will become battle city sounds like a springsteen novel novel album (laughs) sounds like a springsteen novel yeah he he writes now Uh, the, the official summary of this episode is to face the future. Yugi must first look into the past. Yugi learns that he was once a powerful Pharaoh who saved the world 5,000 years ago, and he must now save the world again. Meanwhile, Kaiba tests the hidden powers of Obelisk against the fury of blue eyes, ultimate dragon with the revolutionary hologram technology of a new invention, the dual disc. Kind of just gives it all away there, huh? There's no mystery left in these. I guess it is a summary and not like a episode teaser. Yeah, it's it's not the the hype for this uh, this episode. It's not trying to to pull you in here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the episode starts with uh, basically where we left off last episode, where they uh, it's a Yami Yugi. I can say Yami now, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Uh, so it's Yami Big Yugi, Yugi and it's it's Big Yugi and Taya, and they're going to the Domino Museum, ancient. Egypt history extravaganza exhibit. It's got a weird name that I don't remember, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, And my favorite bit, I'm going to call it now, is when they step into the museum and Taya says, are you sure you want to go through with this? And Big Yugi says, I have no choice, Taya. It is my destiny. But they're not like, they've like just entered into the museum and it's like it's your destiny to do what take this audio tour of (laughs) yeah they're not even like in the museum yet they're like in the entrance hall it's my destiny two tickets please yeah it's so it's so like self-serious and so he's so sure that he's gonna find something related to his mysterious past here because of course, any exhibit about ancient Egypt has to talk about him, even though he doesn't know who he is. Of course. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I like that he's this serious about entering a museum, and I think we should all take museums uh, that seriously. 
I was just laughing imagining them like going through the little science gift shop area that all museums have. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is my destiny. And he's like just buying some random dinosaur shit and like a Bill Nye the Science Guy DVD. <laughs> no, this and is, is like, my Are destiny. you sure you want to no, go with, this through is with my this? Destiny. <laughs> uh, I, I can imagine, I think we, we talked about this, what, uh, two, three days ago over text, but like all the things in the modern world that big Yugi is unfamiliar with, but like wants to play it cool. So he doesn't bring it up. I could imagine big Yugi getting stuck at the turnstile to get into the museum. (laughs) Just like, which way does it go? (laughs) This mechanism blocks my path. It's time to duel. And then he just jumps it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. For someone who has never seen like cars before, he sure takes modern life really chill really well yeah so so i'm just picturing him just like constantly freaking out in his mind the whole time but he like has to play it cool in front of these like 13 year old kids <laughs> who he wants to impress for some reason yeah he's like this mechanical chariot it, I, I don't even see a camel attached i haven't seen a camel in years what's going on <laughs> but these kids don't seem to be bothered by it i won't mention it and what happened to camels? Did they all die? <laughs> I mean, especially now that the show has revealed that Domino City is in America, I can imagine him also being like, you vote for your rulers? Why, sh- why should the lowly peons have any say in who their rulers are? And Surely the most powerful first. sorcerer should be the most, the, the, your ruler. Uh, <laughs> so, of course... It does turn out that this is Yugi's destiny. We've been avoiding this, but something calls to Yugi from downstairs. Uh, He does this thing where, like, uh, I think you pointed this out. His third eye opens, which we see. I think this is the first time we've seen it in this series, right? We've seen it in season zero. Maybe seen it a little bit before. Maybe. But yeah, it's his, like, the eye symbol that's on all the Millennium items starts glowing on his forehead. It looks really cool. Uh, and he's just, like, standing in front of, like, this fenced-off doorway that just leads down to some stairs. It's, like, to the storage area of the museum or whatever. Yeah, and, and you know, he has this feeling that there's something down there that's calling out to him. So so they go down, uh, and we get... <laughs> the shot of them going downstairs is really weird because the, the act of them going downstairs takes nothing. It's, like, a couple of frames, right? And then we get a full three-second shot of their shoes and we see that Taya is wearing like red pumps, red platform shoes. Yeah. We saw her shoes in the last episode when she was dancing. They don't seem that comfortable. Um, But then this is the longest shot that we get of Yugi's shoes as well. And they're bad. They're bad. What are those? They're really bad. Jimmy. They're like I don't even know how to describe them. I wrote down if Waluigi was a biker, but there's I, I don't even know good. how to describe them. So okay, so they're drawn they're drawn in the same way that like I used to draw shoes when I was six and just didn't know what shapes were, like what shapes shoes made. They're just pointy little inclines. Yeah, they're like they're almost like almond shapes. Yeah. But just completely two-dimensional. No, there's no, like, there's barely even any shading on them because they're just black. And they're just these, 
these weird sort of bulbous feet that end in a in a very sharp point and then on them are two buckles that look like the belt buckles like like the choker that yugi wears yeah they look like big riveted belts you know the kind with the big holes in them so instead of they're not laces they're not velcro they are giant belts they're like uh like how a kid would draw pilgrim shoes for thanksgiving yeah that's yes that's exactly what it is so so yugi's weird pilgrim shoes we actually get to see them twice in this episode and it makes no sense why they're lingering that long on these shots because they are not impressive they're not good shoes folks so uh, it's anyway <laughs> so uh they they walk downstairs and uh they almost immediately find this stone carving uh from the last episode that shows ancient yugi battling ancient seto in a game that appears to be dual monsters it's not even like behind a glass like a pane of glass or anything it's just kind of hanging there on the wall yeah yeah and it's literally the first thing that they see after coming down the stairs which like i guess means that it was moved since the last episode like it's downstairs now but it's also like oh hey if anybody wanted to steal this let's just make it real easy put it right by the exit yeah uh, is Lauren awake? I was going to ask her how she feels about, uh, as a conservationist who does work in museums, how she feels about like ancient Egyptian like carvings just open for the public to walk down and like touch and like grab. No, I haven't asked her about it yet, but I can already see just like all the things that she would say. She'd be like, "Well, there's no humidity modifier uh, monitors. There's a light shining directly on it, and that's not great." Uh, you know what? What are the lumens in the room? Um, yeah, and then just the ability to get any dumb kid's snot on it is probably not great. <laughs> yeah, or any like blundering oaf like Joey could come and like trip down the stairs and like knock into it and shatter it into a million pieces. Right. Exactly. You know, a lot of things to consider. <laughs> But he also recognizes, like, pretty instantly. He's like, wait a second, that's me. See that shitty haircut? There's only one person who could ever keep his hair like this in all of human history. It's me. <laughs> so instantly, he's like, ah, yes, I found it. This is it. This, this was my destiny after all. Hello. My Hello, hairspray caused the end of the Ice Age. Right. And now I'm going to do it again. <laughs> uh, from behind them comes a voice uh because yugi's like ah, i can't i can't read what this says yeah i wish i was able to decipher its meaning is is yami illiterate in hieroglyphics oh it could be can he uh, not I mean, read it's been five is that years. something for his practice. servants is that something for his servants to do i <laughs> he I, has I... scribes to do all that shit for him see i wonder about this a lot with uh these sort of stories where like oh it's a body swap kind of thing is it less that he is illiterate and like unable to read hieroglyphics or is it more that this is a way of saying that yugi has add or dyslexia and yami is attempt like can read hieroglyphics but through the human body that has you know, probably probably dyslexia, right, or, or or something. He he physically cannot make the words make sense, even though he would understand them if he could. Because he's seeing it through another person's mind. Yeah, because he's seeing it through through little Yugi. 
I think that's way too much thought that the probably <laughs> the probably trying to make it make it more is. sense than it does. Uh, but from behind them, uh, Ishizu Ishchar uh, introduces herself, the the woman from the last couple of episodes, uh, and she goes, "Ah, yes, I can reveal it to you. It shows the ancient past, just like I showed to Kaiba with the power of my Millennium Necklace." Uh, and just here's my Millennium item. I've instantly. got magic powers. How's it going? Yeah. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Uh, and, uh, so at first she calls Yugi Pharaoh, which, I mean, Even... we, we've said before on the podcast because we know about this episode. Uh, and then she calls him Yami. And now I need to look this up. Uh, but Yami, I think just means dark. Well, the, wasn't the, the Yami games or the Yami no games, like the name the of the shadow games, the shadow games. His name is Shadow the Hedgehog. Right. <laughs> He's the darker, edgier version of the main character. So, so <laughs> God damn it. Does that mean he gets to use guns now? He does get to use guns. He just fucking shoots Kaiba. End uh, of the series, everyone. So, yeah. So, okay. So, I was just looking it up. Yeah. In Japanese, Yami means dark and can be used with many concepts related to darkness. So, she's literally just like, hey, that pharaoh like there's a line where she says that pharaoh was you yami uh she's just like that pharaoh was you the darkness uh but so she she reveals anyway that the the carving yes is him five thousand years ago and that he was a powerful pharaoh who was also a powerful sorcerer who locked up all the magical monsters into blah 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 and she's very reverent of him this whole time. She does call him, I want to point out, my pharaoh. Mm, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's clear that even though, like, she is definitely the person, arguably the person in charge in the room at this point, she is still, like, deferential to him. Yeah. Uh, she tells Yugi that uh, in order to get more answers... There's a tournament that's going to start, and winning that tournament will give him the answers that he's looking for. I'll tell you more if you win this card game. Uh, she's also like, oh, and by the way, the fate of the world's at stake. Yeah, I can also see into the future. I can see that the darkness is rising again, even though your name is darkness. Uh, so you got to save the world from evil again by winning this card game. Okay, bye. Uh, and then she just fucks off. <laughs> yeah, she just vanishes, basically. She, she just completely walks disappears. Away. Uh, and we cut to uh, easily the best scene in season two so far. Oh, for sure. Uh, oh, did I you? Do, yeah. I do want to point out uh, neither Yugi nor Taya really acknowledges that. Yugi now has like a, this filthy rich devoted psychic servant cultist who like venerates yeah, him. Like, is that weird? It is. I mean, like so far in the show, they haven't really wanted for much, you know, like money hasn't really been an issue aside from, from like, you know, Serenity's operation where that was, yeah. a, that was a, a plot amount of money, not like an actual amount of money. Uh, they haven't really needed like, oh, this would have been helpful if we had some sort of a psychic servant. Um, but yeah, they don't really bring up the fact that like they're ostensibly just on a date still. And like, it turns out, oh, one of them is a ruler of nations. Yeah. And then some like random woman older than both of them 
comes by and just starts worshipping the ground that Yugi walks on. Yeah, this woman I, who, like, has her own plane. I feel like Taya... <laughs> that's the most interesting thing about her. <laughs> she has psychic plane. powers. And, and right. is able to just, like, summon Kaiba right. at will. Right. I feel like Taya is usually the one to point out, like, hey, here's how weird this is. Yeah. But she's completely unfazed by this. She's like, sure, I'm hanging out with a ghost. This is all fine. Yeah, it's all fine. Uh, a ghost inhabiting my friend's body. Um, <laughs> but we cut away, before we can really contemplate any of this, we cut away to the new, I'm assuming it's the new Kaiba Corp headquarters. Because it's, it's a Kaiba Corp building we haven't seen before. It's a cool yeah. like, sort of yellow angular thing. And Kaiba is testing the new dual discs. It's bum, a brand, bum, bum. Finally, brand we technology. get to see these dang things that are just synonymous with Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. They finally show up. It's after... only been 53 episodes. <laughs> uh, so Kaiba is testing out this new technology that he developed that is a portable dueling arena. Uh, it is... For people who have not, for whatever reason, seen it or and you know don't can't picture what a dual disc is, it is an arm mounted. Uh, there's like a there's like a circle and it's got a sleeve that you put your arm through, and you put your your card deck into that circle, uh, sort of in a slot in the side, and then it has like a crescent moon. I'm, I'm realizing I'm making the hand gestures, but no one can see them. Uh, it's got like a crescent moon sort of uh, it's like attachment. like a scythe almost. Yeah, almost like a scythe. And it's uh, a place where you can place cards uh, sort of next to your arm, basically. So that's that's the playing board. And what he does is he pulls this little you know switch and two hologram projectors pop out grow bat wings and then fly to opposite ends of the room like freaking batarangs they yeah. just fly off to each corner of the room and start hologram projecting and he's like and ah now the the holograms are fully portable so we can duel anywhere and not be bound by the the what does he call it like primitive dueling arena something along those that lines. technology that he invented two weeks ago yeah uh, so yeah, so anyway, the point is, is that now with the dual discs, you can play Yu-Gi-Oh wherever you want, which is not something that you could ever do with just the physical with regular cards. cards. <laughs> um, the other thing that, that they're doing is, uh, he's in this like testing lab. And a giant expl- metal room the size of like a warehouse. Did it give you like, um, like X-Men danger room vibes? Yeah. It's like a holodeck type right thing. or like oh, any yeah. like sci-fi anime room I, I wrote a note it's just like you might find an evangelion being built in here or like mewtwo in trapped in stasis that kind of room and like up along one wall there's like a reinforced like control nasa style room mm-hmm. like a mission control yeah it's it's like with a, a bunch of a, like lab guys in there and mokuba and they're like behind six inches of safety glass and, you know, all these all these sort of security precautions because one of the first things they say is like, all right, all the safeties have been turned off. All the safety protocols are, are, are disabled. Uh, and they talk for a while about how this means that the monsters can inflict actual physical harm. 
Tyler. Uh-huh. Did Kaiba just invent hard-like particle weapons by accident so he can play a card game? Oh, I don't think it was an accident. But yes, it was fully so that he could play a card game. <laughs> I mean, Kaiba's, Kaiba's the kind of person who looks at an innocent children's card game and goes, but you know what would be even better? If this card could actually kill you. <laughs> <laughs> what if I summon a monster with a scythe and then that scythe cut through my neck? Right. I think somebody accidentally told Kaiba the phrase, if you die in the game, you die in real life. And he was like, oh. That does make sense. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> An interesting concept. I will think about this. I agree. This should be applied to all games. Incidentally, don't play Parcheesi with Kaiba. <laughs> <laughs> don't play Sorry. So, uh, yeah, they're talking about this and like the safety has been lifted. Uh, Since this takes place in America now uh-huh. and in the 90s, do you think in this world the like invasion of Afghanistan was done by soldiers wielding dual discs? Oh, God. We've talked about this before, but in the grimdark future of Yu-Gi-Oh, there is only war. The distant future, the year 2000. Yeah, I mean, in Vrains or whatever, uh, they're, like, cyber-hacking each other with these monsters. Right. It's only a matter of time before people are just, like, straight-up murdering each other and causing havoc and mayhem with dual monsters. I mean, that would explain how Kaiba makes all this money despite never seeming to actually sell any of his inventions. He's just got a shit ton of military contracts. Kaiba is the Tony Stark of this world. That's why he has a giant tower with his name on it. Uh... Although, okay, I was really saddened by this image until I pictured like a squad of American soldiers like running into combat with just another squad of beaver warriors. <laughs> Karibo. Right. <laughs> the general uh is like speaking into the microphone. All units, it's time to duel. <laughs> it's the okay. invasion All of right. Normandy, but everyone has like blue eyes white dragons. Oh my god. <laughs> well no, no one would have blue eyes white dragons. Come no. on, let's not get crazy. Red only eyes Winston black Church- dragon, maybe. Only Winston Churchill has all the blue eyes white dragons. <laughs> uh so this is getting away from us no 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 it gets worse because kaiba the other thing that he explains while they're doing this is that he has a satellite surveillance system set up specifically for battle city uh and he's like activating that as well to sort of monitor the the status of his test duel yeah Uh, and he explains that this allows him to keep an eye on every duel i think he says in the country simultaneously not just the city because when you've got a satellite system, why not, you know, go for go for overkill, right? Yeah. Uh, so he's essentially become Big Brother. Big Brother! <laughs> uh, Big Brother! That's the real reason Mokuba says it. It has nothing to do with their relation. It's simply he's reminding Kaiba that the book 1984 exists and is a cautionary tale, not an aspirational one. Big brother, the clocks are striking 13. <laughs> uh, so Kaiba uh, he sort of prepares for this duel. I love big brother. <laughs> Kaiba prepares for this duel and he faces off against a dual robot. Capital D, capital R, dual robot. Yeah, with uh, its skill level set to max. <laughs> right. This robot was, just kind of 
springs down from the ceiling. It looks like the uh, the autopilot robot from Wall E. Yes, thank you. That's exactly what it looks like. I, I couldn't place what it kind of resembled. It looks almost like a like a floating baseball diamond. Yeah, because it has this like it has all the it's like a wheel with an eye in the middle, red of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hell nine thousand naturally, but with all these like spokes coming out, and then the top is like this tiara where it places cards. Yes, it's the tiara of dueling, <laughs> the crown of cards. <laughs> The diadem uh, of dueling. There we go. <laughs> there it is. Uh, in the uh, in the control room, Mokuba is like going over some charts and stuff. And this uh, this other scientist who's in there, this like bearded dude, is like probability of injury is ninety percent. Mokuba goes, "Never tell me the odds." <laughs> yeah. Uh, not really, but he is like, "Hey, don't like fuck around. Like that's my big brother in there. He's the best duelist in the world. He's gonna he be says, fine." He says, "Like keep your calculations to yourself." And he starts you like scientist. He starts like going off on this dude, and he's like, "I'm literally just doing my job. <laughs> this is the one thing that you pay me to say, and I've just said it, and now you're mad at me. We're having a, a not productive conversation here. I'm a grown man who designed this entire system, and you are like a six year old, right? <laughs> and yet you outrank me in this organization. Uh, and he also explains like, also, it's such a high probability because." Kaiba gave the robot basically his entire deck from Duelist Kingdom, including all three Blue Eyes White Dragons. And then Mokuba's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, is, is Kaiba, uh, is he going to be okay? Uh, and the guy's like, uh, he ordered me to. Right. Like, I, <laughs> I didn't I do it. no choice in this. <laughs> Again, Mokuba, I am doing my job. <laughs> Uh, I, I do love, like, you, you had a note about this, too. I do love that, like, even though there's just a conversation between the two of them, there's easily six people in this control room just yeah. There's that dude in Mokuba, and there's, there's, like, a guy next to him, and there's, I think, like, two people behind them, like, at other computers. And they're it's all just a, here for a, a children's card game. They're all here to help this guy play cards. Uh... <laughs> So uh, the the hologram projectors pop out. Um, they, they shoot it like batarangs. The dual robot starts the duel by introducing us to... Uh, oh, no, pardon me. It doesn't start the duel by introducing us to these rules, but uh, there are uh, sort of a, an implication that there are new tournament rules specifically for Battle City. Uh, and it sort of starts the duel by like loading up those rules into its mainframe or cortex or whatever the fuck. Uh, and um, I didn't write down the, the details of the duel. I kind of just wrote the, the Cliff's notes. The actual important parts. Yeah, yeah. There's some back and forth going on. We see a couple of cards that we've talked about before in the Battle City bracket. Yeah, yeah. Some old friends appear. Uh, and get some, some new friends. Uh, obliterated. Right. Like the first the first round, I think, is Battle Ox appears. And Battle Ox we've talked about before. Yeah. Uh, and then it attacks a face down card that turns out to be Cyber Jar, which is a card that we'll talk about later on. Uh, and Cyber Jar has this whole effect where like, okay, effect number one, all the monsters on the field get discarded. Effect number two, both players draw four monsters or five monsters, whatever. Effect number three, they can instantly summon as many of those monsters as they want. Uh, so like Kaiba summons four monsters, the robot summons two monsters. Mokuba says, like, what a digital dummy. Uh, 
<laughs> because of course now is the time for puns. Uh, and, uh, Mokuba is like sort of impressed that the robot would give Kaiba such an early lead. Um, it clearly that has to be some sort of a mistake. Maybe it's a faulty programming or something. Uh, and then at this point, the dual monster, the dual monster, the dual robot, the robot dual, the, the, the monster, the, the robot monster, the floating eyeball. Yeah. Hal 9000 says, how uh, new tournament rules, right? Specifically, that rule is that in order to summon Blue Eyes White Dragon, two monsters have to be sacrificed. So it's a it's the introduction of the tribute summon, which explains why that has not been a thing up to this point, because it literally was not a rule until just now. <laughs> and so Kaiba remember, wrote it. It's Kaiba's yeah, exactly. tournament, and he can write any rules that he wants. So <laughs> new rule: give all your cards to Kaiba. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's the thing is like so it, it's it's revealed that like this is uh an well a it's an in canon explanation for why Kaiba was able to summon Blue Eyes like turn one back in episode one, uh but it's it's an explanation for like okay here's what tribute summoning is, but it's also kind of weird that Kaiba wouldn't make the rule more advantageous in his favor. Yeah, because as we've seen before, he cheats. Right. Like, why can't the rule be any card besides Blue Eyes White Dragon, you know, the card that only Kaiba has, requires tribute summoning? Like, what yeah. if it turns out that you can only play Blue Eyes White Dragon? <laughs> it it doesn't seem like there's any, like, dual monsters governing body besides no. Pegasus, who is probably still in the hospital or something screaming about his eyeball right yeah but this is a rule specifically for the tournament which kaiba yeah. is throwing on so presumably the sky's the limit do whatever you want and he writes some new rules right and i guess in the spirit of sportsmanship he makes them fair for everyone my personal theory is that at this point in making the show the card game was a real thing now and they realized that it was super broken so they they're like oh wait none of the things we've done in the show you can do in the game we'd better start fixing that so kids don't get mad at us right exactly exactly so now that we have spent an entire season being mad at them they get to catch up uh so uh, yeah so so he summons a blue eyes uh, the dual robot ro- the dual robot dual Robots. robot uh hal 9000 summons a blue eyes white dragon uh, by summoning or by tribute summoning it and uh sacrificing two monsters uh kaiba has a little bit of a back and forth with it uh he plays uh dragon seeker is that right I th- it's a monster that has like bonuses to fighting dragons yeah uh, and then in reaction, uh, the dual robot actually summons our old friend, Lord of D, uh, who <laughs> I, I knew we were going to see eventually. Uh, they do say Lord of Dragons, though, which is a little so disappointing. disappointing. I was really just fingers crossed waiting for this moment when we would finally see Lord of D and they pulled the punch. And it is it is Lord of D in all his all his glory. But like, I don't understand why. If they're going to say Lord of Dragons in the show, why doesn't it say Lord of Dragons on the card? There's room for it in the there's little ton, text There's box. so much room. If they had enough room for Gaga Gigo, Gaga Giga. <laughs> and what's the, the purple thorny? Oh, yeah. Whatever. Uh, interplanetary purpley thorny uh, prickly beast. Yeah. Like, Something like it, that. It, you know, it doesn't make any sense why they would shorten the word dragon to D of all things. <laughs> D, if period. they know they're going to be selling it to seven-year-olds who are all dipshits, I'm sorry. 
and the D uh, sounds for dipshits, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and you know, and people like you and me who can't help but giggle every time they hear the word Lord of D. Thank you for proving my point. So, uh, Lord of D makes an appearance. He gets summoned. Uh, so does the, I want to say it's the dragon flute. I didn't write this one down. Yeah. It's dude, literally dude, magic flute. It's the item that Tommy Oliver gets in power Rangers to summon the dragon Zord. Lord of D gets this flute and he goes, doo, 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 doo. and it, and it, I guess it, it allows the robot to summon two dragon cards from its hand instantly. Yeah. Like as many dragons as you want. Uh, and so the, the robot's like, and I summon the remaining two blue eyes, white dragons. So on like turn three, all three blue eyes, white dragons are out on the field. Kaiba's freaking out. Cause apparently that's a strategy he hadn't even thought of. He has never fought a blue eyes, white dragon before. I guess that's true. Yeah. They've always been on his side. Yeah, this is a f- his first time uh, going up against one, unless he like does this sort of thing for fun. Right, which, I mean... I'm sure he does. It would probably be a smart idea, right, to figure out how to beat your own strategy in order to make your strategy better, but lo and behold, here it is, all three Blue Eyes White Dragons, and on that same turn, it plays Polymerization, so they fuse to become Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon. Surprise, dun, dun, motherfucker! Dun. Blue eyes, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> everybody who doesn't know what we referenced, go look up surprise motherfucker on the internet. It's really good. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, there is a new rule, a second new rule here, saying that a fusion monster cannot attack on the same turn it was created. So, Blue Eyes Eye Dragon is here, it is menacing, but it cannot attack Kaiba on this turn. So he has has a a, a turn to sort of figure it out. Yeah, And I don't know why Kaiba would write that rule specifically. Because it's going to hurt him, because he loves that Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon. Right. This is is what I'm saying. Like, why can't he write the rule to be like, except for my cards? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I, I guess it would be like, to be sporting... Or maybe maybe like people would call him out on his shit sooner and like wouldn't join the tournament. None of those things have ever stopped him before. Also, why is it is it sort of an unwritten rule in the Duel Monsters universe that the person who is throwing the tournament has to also compete in the tournament? Like in you both see, of the, given two examples so far, uh, that seems to be the case. Like, why, though? Like, you don't see, like, uh, uh, Sakura-san, you know, playing in a Super Smash Bros. tournament, like, right? You don't see, you don't see... Yeah, you uh, can't just host a tournament. You have to play in it. Right, exactly. Like, why, why can't you just be like, You can only host tournaments if you're the best. (laughs) Right. And then you can never have a tournament again apparently so does that mean does that mean that this is one of the only tournaments that happens like in the world are there other are there just no other tournaments because nobody else is that caliber to compete in a in a big thing all right bandit keith you beat me i hope you're good at event planning this (laughs) convention is yours now that's the unspoken skill of the duelist is event planning (laughs) and staff coordination uh (laughs) So uh, the the 
people in the control room are freaking out because Blue Eyes White Dragon is there. They're like, hey, or Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon, rather. They're like, hey, remember the safeties are turned off. So, like, if that attack hits Kaiba, it will do, quote, serious injury to him. Yeah. I was watching with subtitles on in case I missed something. And the subtitles say instead of it will cause serious injury, he will get obliterated into dust. The fuck? Which is why. That's very different. It was this point where I was like, did he just invent like hard light particle beam plasma weapons just as a joke? I think he may have. That's very different from serious injury. Like I was picturing like, oh, he'll sprain an ankle. Yeah, the the holodeck safeties will like bump into him and he'll feel warm. Right. No, he, this thing will literally like atomize him. Jesus him. Christ. <laughs> uh yeah, I think I think Kaiba just became I, mean? I think Kaiba just became part of the military industrial complex. Yeah. There's nothing stopping someone from getting some of these dual discs, turning the safeties off. And then just, like, destroying a city with the blue eyes. Right, because they can just take the hologram projectors anywhere. They don't even have to be in a duel. Yeah. Shit. So, like, what the fuck? All right, well, uh... <laughs> also, it can kill him, so Kaiba 100% built the system so he could get vored by a blue eyes. Anyway. <laughs> yes, the real reason comes out. Um, <laughs> so Kaiba has a turn to, to sort of counteract, right? Uh, and he sacrifices three monsters to summon the Egyptian god card that he received from Ishtar last episode, Obelisk the Tormentor. That he literally cards... drew on this turn. So maybe right. the heart of the cards are with him, or maybe he stacked his deck just so he can do this. That's, that's kind of my, that's my bet, honestly. I think that's purposes. what Kaiba thinks the heart of the cards actually is, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, he summons the card that even Pegasus himself was scared to wield because it is so powerful. Uh, Obelisk, the Tormentor, the Egyptian God card, one of the three. Uh, he you know, it rises up behind him. That's the gift that we were talking about at the start of the episode. Uh, and It's like crackling with electricity. I think yeah. the card text says his uh, attack and defense are like 4,000, 4,000. Or something. Yeah, I think it. I think it starts at like forty five hundred attack in the show. Um, it. Let me just look it up one more time. Uh, Obelisk the Tormentor. The card text says, "If I can pull up an image of it." Oh wow! That yeah, it is four thousand. Four thousand. Yeah, so the show might be a little off because it starts at forty five hundred. I know, but the thing is, is that he he sacrifices two additional monsters, which I think is a real. I'm just looking through the card text now. The text is honestly so small that I can't I can't tell if it's a if it's a real card effect. But he sacrifices two more monsters to increase Obelisk's attack power. Because uh, remember, at this point, because of the stuff that happened earlier, Kaiba just has five monsters on the field, which I think is the most that we've seen in maybe ever on the show. Uh, and it increases Obelisk's attack power to the point where one of the scientists says that it is literally off the charts. Yeah, the computers start smoking and crackling like in Star Trek. So it's not infinite, right? Because then they would say it has infinite power, and that would be just a thing. But it's so high that it is a number that a supercomputer that can power several holograms cannot <laughs> Built specifically calculate. for this purpose. 
Right. So somehow it is a number between forty five hundred and nine 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 that the computer cannot figure out. <laughs> Floating point error. Right, right, right. Oh, maybe that's what it is. It's not an integer. It's it's a floating point number. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so then Obelisk punches Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon, uh, even though it's immediately breaking the rule that Kaiba just set for the tournament, saying that a fusion summon or a tribute summon monster can't. Oh attack. no, wait, no. Pardon me. It's not a fusion summon monster. He's a tribute summon monster. Punches Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon so hard that the dueling robot and all of the computers and monitors in the control room explode instantly, <laughs> causing potentially more danger to the people in the control room than Kaiba was ever actually in. They all die. Right. <laughs> Including Mokuba. Right. <laughs> oh, oh no. Whoops. Oopsie. This is why Pegasus was scared to wield this card. It blows up your computers. Right. Uh, oh, I like your note here. Yeah, uh, Obelisk is literally just one punch man. Yeah, that's just, his power. Let's just throw that in there. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, I think this is when we're talking about, like, the safeties being turned off. This is the part where Obelisk the Tormentor deals, like, actual physical damage to things, right? But it's it's interesting here because it's not, like... Oh, he leaves an obelisk, the tormentor size, like fist-sized crater in the robot. It damages its electrical systems. Yeah. So, is it a hard light system, or is it just like a uh, phase shift manipulation? I don't know. It's a you power know, overload. Te- techno babble. Yeah, it's like a power overload. It's basically. a poltergeist. Which, I mean, if that's the case, it makes you wonder. How strong are the batteries in the dual disc? Yeah. Duracell. <laughs> it just keeps going and going and going. Right. Uh, Duracell! Can't... It keeps going and going and going! <laughs> Damn it, Mokuba. Uh, Taya and, uh, and Yami, we, we, cut, we cut back to them. Uh, they're walking through the city. Yami is now determined to enter this tournament now that he knows that it's like tied to his... Uh, destiny yeah what you know whatever you want to call it his his deal uh there's another another weird like lingering shot of their shoes not doing anything not walking not dancing not whatever just standing there yeah and it's like you know in in jaws how they purposely shot as little of the shark as possible to sort of a kind of keep that mystique that that mysterious sort of suspense but also just to not show how shitty the shark actually looked. <laughs> They're doing this the, the inverse. Yeah, it's the opposite. It's like, let's show as much of the worst animation that we have. <laughs> On Yugi's god-awful shoes. Right. And, like, it's fine. Hey, I, I'm not trying to shame anybody for not being able to draw feet. Feet are just weird. And it could be that you've drawn the shoes perfectly. Maybe that's exactly what they would look like in the real, in the real world. The problem is that they still look bad. And why would you show just a lingering still shot of this? Uh, while I'm contemplating their shoes, Yami hears ominous laughter off in the distance uh, as he's sort of explaining to Taya, like, hey, here's why I have to join the duel, my, my density, blah, blah, blah. Uh, 
he hears the same ominous laughter that we heard back in uh, the, the the episode with the fire, with the barn fire, uh, where it's the uh, the person that mind controlled Bandit Keith. I just found a Pinterest board, so you can like do a casual cosplay of Yami Yugi. Oh, what? Send that to me. I am all about that. (laughs) Here you go, my friend. Give me that. Give me that sweet black tank top. You got it, friend. It's got all kinds of like. Let's see. What's it say? Because that is that is maybe the best thing about this episode is like this is the casual outfit for both Yugi and Taya. Um. <laughs> I click on the link and, and Pinterest goes, hmm, this link seems suspicious. <laughs> uh but yeah, it is it's a black tank top, it's purple leggings, uh there are several like cuffs of various sizes and shapes and buckles. Uh I'm scrolling down, there's all kinds of like casual everyday uh designer clothes for various characters, including uh, Seto Kaiba, Thief King Bakura, Everyday Scarlet Witch, uh, all kinds of stuff. Is this Freddy Krueger? Just super yeah, and a- some super casual like Undertale <laughs> cosplay. In case you want to look like Sans from Undertale, right? Uh, my favorite so far is uh, Gara from Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just in case you have a giant gourd you want to carry around on your back. Um. <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, this is an interesting website you found, Jimmy. <laughs> if you could casually dress as one cartoon character for the rest of your life, but it could only be that one cartoon character, which would it be? God, any cartoon character. Yeah, I know immediately what mine would be. Um, I want to say like Captain Falcon. Ooh, okay. You dress Just a like cool Captain leather jacket. Have a yeah, nice yeah, yeah. scarf. I'm into it. I'm into it. You have like a motorcycle helmet or something. What was your? What would yours be? Mine would be any of the ducks from the Mighty Ducks cartoon. Oh man, that is because a blast a, from the past. They can pull off a varsity jacket, which I don't think that I can personally. But maybe if I had theirs, I could. Uh, I think they wear jeans, which is basically what I wear anyway. Uh, and they all have weird laser swords, so that would be cool. <laughs> it's just casual clothes to like imitate their look. You you wouldn't actually get a laser sword. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, then yeah, then then a varsity jacket and, and jeans, I think, <laughs> and maybe a face mask, maybe a hockey mask, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> so you'd look like a murderer. Uh, moving on. Um, so, uh, as Taya and Yami are sort of contemplating the tournament, uh, they hear a familiar voice from behind them, and it is my Valentine. Uh, to which Yugi says, "Look, it's my Valentine." <laughs> but I'm bum, but I'm bum. Finally, uh, that joke lands. Finally, somebody makes the joke. Uh, my sort of comes up to them and, and says to Taya, "You're looking snazzy, Taya. Is this a date?" And Taya goes, "We're just friends, my but." Also, we as the audience know that in the original version of this episode, uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> wink, wink. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Also, my friggin' puts Taya in like a headlock and is like, like casually leaning on her because she like <laughs> chokes for a couple seconds afterward. She all but does the like school bully like noogie scene. Yeah. 
like she she does she does everything except call Taya like champ or sport sport kid. I, Tyler, uh, I got the best screenshot from this scene. I'll send it to you and I'll put it up on Instagram. Okay. But it's just the the face of someone you would expect to be saying, is this a date? Oh my God. Yeah. It's that thing that they do in anime is where like the eyes get really big, but then the irises and pupils get really small, which I don't really know. Like, I'm not sure what that's supposed to convey because that's not a thing that happens in real life. It's kind of like an eh. That's the that's the sound that comes with this picture. <laughs> that's the sound your eyeballs make, right? Uh, Yami and and Mai are talking about like who's throwing this mysterious tournament. Well, a lot of us got invites, uh, and and we've all been apparently summoned here to this like Pokemon Go raid battle in the middle of this city here. Right, exactly. There's like a crap ton of people just standing around looking at their phones. Mai nails it though. Mai has the best line here. <laughs> She's like, I don't know who it is, but it's someone with a ton of cash and an obnoxious attitude. My guess it's Kaiba. <laughs> right. Which like, okay, A, good deduction. B, nailed it. Uh, and then she says, this is beginning to look a lot like Duelist Kingdom all over again. Or maybe Yugi says that, I forget. Um, but we see uh, a bunch of duelists from uh, Duelist Kingdom. We see Weevil Underwood, Mako Tsunami, Rex Raptor. Uh, we also see a new duelist that Mai points out named Esperoba. Jimmy, are you familiar with Esperoba? No. Okay, Esperoba, I'm not going to spoil it. Maybe one of my favorite like sequences of episodes in like all of Yu-Gi-Oh! so far, at least from what I've seen. Oh, I'll look forward to it. For like a dumb reason, for a not good reason. Uh, But but anyway, so I do want to point out out, we we like it's panning over the crowd and we get a shot mm -hmm. just like a couple of frames of Mako Tsunami with like a speared fish in each hand just like going at him. Oh, yeah. Mako came prepared is the thing. (laughs) And Pepper's going to eat his food, which may show up on the mic, but that's fine. This will just become a, a, a mukbang podcast. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, Mako came prepared. Um, uh, the, the reason I wanted to point out Esperoba is my specifically calls them out as being like, you know, I've heard rumors that, you know, they, they fight duels with, uh, psychic power, which was Mai's whole thing. If you remember that she yeah. pretended to be a psychic, but she's saying like, oh, this guy's the real deal. That guy so is we'll come actually back to that psychic. I was just messing around with you guys. Right. So uh, they're waiting around for a bit, and then Kaiba appears on all of the Jumbotrons in the city center. Like, all the TVs turn on. Yeah, it's uh, like uh, Times Square in New York just got hacked, like Watch Dogs 2 style. Yeah, like, is that what Domino City is trying to be now? Is it supposed to be like a New York City-esque thing, or is it like a Tokyo-esque thing? It doesn't look nearly as big as either of those cities. But it does have a nice downtown area. Yeah, like this is the most that we've seen, I think, of the city where we see this sort of downtown shot with all the all the screens turning on. Is it just a plot-sized city, maybe? Yeah. Like the, the city is ever as big as it needs to be. <laughs> From what we can see of it, uh, you and I will get this reference. It looks like a Walnut Creek-sized city to me. Yes. Thank you <laughs> for everybody for everybody quickly Googling Walnut Creek. <laughs> for anyone who is not from Central California. There was a show that took place in Walnut Creek 
uh, that was made recently, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Really? Yeah, it was like a Netflix show. It'll come to me. Uh, but anyway, so Kaiba appears on the screen. There was a show, introduces... the, the, mm. it's called The Good Doctor, where they mentioned my hometown Livermore in an episode. And like they obviously didn't go there, but they had like a reasonable facsimile of my high school, which was oh, kind wow. of weird to look at. That's neat. Yeah. I mean, of course, and now you live in Portland, so like every third show essentially uses. Yeah, <laughs> and from... I work in film, so there's like all kinds of shows like in Portland. Right, right. And it's in the Flash. Oh yeah, I forget that, but they never they never explicitly call it out for that. They do show an Oregon flag at one point. I remember, like in the first episode. Oh, do they? I think it was Probably on accident. By accident. Uh, but then they showed a map of Portland, and they're like, "Here's a map of Star City, or wherever the fuck." Yeah, it is. the opening shot is uh, like the Star Labs or whatever is just uh-huh. where Omzi should go, and it's like a helicopter shot over the city. Right, and you see like the Fremont Bridge and yeah. shit. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Kaiba appears on all the jumbotrons, and he introduces uh, the tournament that he's invited them all there for. Uh, apparently, they each got like individual personalized invitations from an anonymous source telling them to right. like show up at this intersection which again like if this you know evil genius mastermind thing doesn't go the way that he planned kaiba could always go into event planning yeah like that shows a lot of dedication to his craft that this he is pretty good. i'm picturing I'm picturing him like with a bunch of like blank cards and he's just like slowly sort of manually like writing handwriting each card <laughs> dear my valentine and then he writes like a poem my dearest mako tsunami I can't do <laughs> the voice really yours mysterious benefactor uh oh you want to oh you're you're thinking that he would narrate it like a uh, dear mako tsunami <laughs> For the longest time, I have admired your dueling and your pecs. I wonder if you might grace the presence of a tournament I'm throwing with your fish steaks. <laughs> Bring your glistening fish lifters to the Domino City Center at 9 p.m. Sincerely yours. Anonymous. <laughs> uh, Gossip Girl. <laughs> XOXO. Uh, so Kaiba introduces the Do you rules, like which me? Are, y N. Oh God! Will you go to prom? <laughs> uh, the the first rule is that everyone has to use the dual disc, uh, which he doesn't explain what they are. Uh, they're just a new thing that he made. Uh, and that before each duel, both players must bet their rarest card. Dun dun dun. The loser gives that card to the winner. And he sort of brags about like how you know this will quickly build for some spicy uh, meatballs, uh, uh, but Mama you know some mia. exciting duels uh, because that means that the players who progress will. Mama have... mia, that's a spicy meatball, <laughs> Big Brother. Oh God! Damn it, Mokuba! <laughs> Damn it, Mokuba! You've thrown off my groove. Uh, I'm sorry, but you've thrown off Kaiba's groove. Um, I'm sorry. He uh, he sort of explains that like this will make for some exciting duels because the people who keep winning will get like more and more rare cards. Yeah. Uh, this is all a ploy, of course. We'll remember to lure the rare hunters to the tournament, which uh, works apparently. Yeah, get them all in uh, one place. You can get their cards. Right. 
so suddenly Kaiba also appears in real life, hanging from a helicopter. Yeah, this freaking drama queen, just like everyone turns around at the sound of this helicopter coming down in city center. And he is just like friggin' like one arm grabbing the helicopter, uh, the rest of him just like hanging out the window on the skids? Yeah, the skids of the yeah, helicopter. Yeah, yeah. The landy and part. It's for the it's for the most pointless part of this whole presentation because he shouts down from the helicopter, Hey everybody, the tournament starts in one week. Don't forget to sign up. <laughs> yeah. Everyone remember to register. Pokemon go to the polls. And it's, it's okay. What? Like, a this is clearly different from the video that was just playing. Yeah. It's all the, like the giant jumbotrons all around the, the building switch to like a live shot. Who's filming this? There's probably just some guy on a rooftop. It's pepper. Oh, pepper it's, is there. It's whoever pepper's barking at. Come here, bud. All right, Pepper's going to join us. Hello. Do you want to say something about the uh, about the the show? What do you think about Kaiba? Pepper. Who's a good he has, boy? He has Pepper. no he has no opinion on Kaiba. He's neutral on Kaiba. Uh so so yeah, but he's he's like shouting down. Yugi replies for some reason. Yeah, he yells back, "You're on Kaiba." Like over the sound of the helicopter from like 6 stories down, he is just like shouting up at Kaiba. You're on, what? Kaiba. It's like he, he's not gonna hear him. It's like he's at a concert or something, right? And he's yeah. like cheering at the like, ah, oh, Jared Leto, we love you. Like Whoa. Jared Leto doesn't care; he can't hear you. Uh, <laughs> so the tournament starts in one week. So get yeah, ready. It, yeah, cool. All right. I you know I, like I've watched a lot of like. Uh, like E3s and, and, you know, like big presentations for, uh, you know, new products and things. How cool would it have been if like Kaiba just started chucking dual discs from the helicopter and was like, and the tournament starts now. <laughs> you get of... a dual disc and you get a dual disc. <laughs> it's like, and um, uh, I'm totally blanking on the name. I'm so tired. Uh, the book with the kids killing each other. Lord of the Flies. The other book with the kids killing each other. Swiss Family Robinson. The other book with the... Do they kids kill each other in Swiss Family Robinson? In my version, they do. Uh, I hate those kids. Um, uh, uh, oh, 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 oh. Battle Royale. Oh, Hunger Games. Hunger Games, yeah. Battle Royale, the American version. Like, they just start going after each other with cards. You know, I would watch that, actually. That's what Duelist Kingdom should have been. A battle royale a, with cards? Yeah. That would I actually mean, be like, rad. Right? Okay, now somebody has to make that video game is the thing. Unless I'm... Well, that probably already exists, actually, if we're being honest. Everything's a battle Yu-Gi-Oh! royale game Fortnite. now. Yu-Gi-Oh! Fortnite. Right. Yu-Gi-Oh! Just Fortnite. starts doing the floss. Oh. Okay, never mind. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> Uh, we, we cut away, uh, we do sort of a slow fade to, uh, that mysterious mind control malefactor, uh, who we know is, is Merrick, uh, and, uh, you know, sort of reveals that Merrick is the, the leader of the rare hunters, this, uh, mysterious organization that Ishtar talked about last episode. Basically a cult. Yeah, basically a cult. And it's not Uh, very clear where they are. It's just kind of in this like spooky miasma. I think they're still on that 
ghost ship that Bandit Keith described uh, a few episodes back. Oh, probably. You know, the, the inexplicably Egyptian ship that's a Spanish galleon? <laughs> uh, a sailing ship. They're like six months from getting to the shore. Right. <laughs> but he's but he's saying like, ah, go rare hunters and join the tournament. Uh, and then the episode ends on maybe the worst line, but also maybe the best. He says, uh, it's time to begin the hunt. And then he just laughs evilly and like everything fades out except his evil spooky eyes. There it is. And that's the end of the episode. It's time to begin the hunt. (laughs) Hello, everybody. I'm Merrick. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how many of the episodes episodes have ended on a fade out with maniacal laughter playing. There's been a couple of them because last time we didn't mention it, but then um, after Obelisk the Tormentor blew up the whole lab that scene also ended with Kaiba cackling evilly. Right. Just in the room by himself. If anybody's aware of a supercut of just evil laughter in Yu-Gi-Oh, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something I'm interested in. Because it'd be a lot. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, what was your favorite part of this episode? Hmm. That is a great question. I feel like... My favorite part was everything Kaiba was up to. Testing the new dual disc systems with all the safeties turns off. Everything was just all Kaiba all the time. You know, it was mm-hmm. Kaiba turned up to 11. He was in top form. Uh, cackling Kaiba, evilly. Kaiba with the safeties disabled. <laughs> cackling evilly. Uh, having his employees, like, working themselves to death. Putting their boss in danger because he ordered them to... Uh, organizing uh, a tournament that has his own rules that uses his own stuff. Do the the contestants have to like buy the dual discs? Yeah, I was just wondering about that. I uh, is this like I was a about college to say, class where say the no, professor sure. writes a book and then makes the book mandatory? Uh, I've been in those classes. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I have a feeling that like Kaiba is just shitty enough that that's like the the entry fee quote unquote yeah. is buying the dual disc. You have to buy my products. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of Kaiba, which is a good thing. Uh, what was my favorite? favorite part of the episode. Oh, sorry. I, <laughs> I went ahead and answered your question before you asked it. Um, my favorite part of the episode is, uh, I think, like I said, like the beginning where it's Yugi being like, I have no choice. I have to do this. It's my, it's my destiny. Uh, and it's like, yeah, okay, it's your destiny to go to mu- a museum, bro. Like, that's cool. Good for you. Good. Yugi, way to be a fan of education. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Taya's just like, are you sure you want to go through with this? Like, are you sure you want to know, like, your lost memory? Of course. Right. I mean, like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's you important. Pro- yeah, right. Like, you probably <laughs> would. Taya, Taya has this incredible ability to like be very aware of what's going on, but also not put herself in other people's shoes. Yeah. Which is maybe just another way of saying that she's a teenager. Uh, so she's smart, but still not as smart as Mai. Right. Who we've established yeah. is one of the smartest characters on the show. If not the smartest character. Like, I mean, sure. Kaiba makes holographic 
uh, destruction machines or whatever. But Mai is actually the smart, we'll say the most smart person. Exactly. She's the most practical, the most common sense person. But yeah, I think my favorite is just like, Hey, you want to, <laughs> you want to figure out the secrets of the universe or like unlock the, the mystery of your past, go to a museum, <laughs> which holds true in real life. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is as, bro- as somebody, as somebody whose whose financial future relies on the, uh, the money to, that's given to museums, please go visit museums. <laughs> please. Uh, no, I, I like that part a lot. Uh, how about your least favorite? Uh, actually, there's a, there's a lot to like in this episode. My least there favorite, is. though, uh, the duel that they have is just kind of there to test the systems of the dual disc. It's not, yeah. it does, it's not an actual duel. It's just kind of right. there as a pretext. It's not, it's not a real, it's like a simulation duel. Yeah, it's it's sort of one step short of that VR world that we had, right? Yeah. There's only one purpose to the duel, and that's to show Obelisk punching Blue-Eyes Ultimate Dragon. And they could have just done that by playing the cards against each other. Then the rest of the duel was just kind of unnecessary. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you were going to do sort of a simulation, what you're saying is you could have just skipped to the point where you had a Blue-Eyes Ultimate Dragon and Obelisk the Tormentor on the field. Yeah, put two insects in a jar and shake it up to see what happens when they fight. <laughs> are you uh, are you explaining some of your childhood there, Jimmy? <laughs> no, I have never done that. I just know I'm it's sure. a thing that some kids do. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, yeah, it, hmm. It was, so you're just was, saying, like... The dual part of this episode was pure filler, except for the important part. Right, yeah, except for the end bit there, for yeah. sure. That's it. That's okay. that's my word. No, yeah. I, so, okay, so my least favorite, actually, is very similar to that, because I really enjoyed the duel, me personally. You did? I Yes, it's filler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, like, almost my favorite, but I, I have to put really? the, the museum messaging there. Because... It introduces a lot of really interesting things about the world. The new rules, the fact that you can turn the safeties off, uh, you know, the the sort of strategies that come about from the new like tribute summoning law, uh, law <laughs> rule, uh, and uh, the robot itself. I thought was super cool. Like this is the first time that I've seen, uh, at least in the show, that we've seen a sort of digital duelist that can come up with strategies in this way, right? Yeah. Like, we've, we've seen, you know, uh, some computer-simulated things here and there, but this is the first time where it's like, here is a physical sort of entity that has a computer brain that is figuring out, like, okay, here's how I play the card game with just whatever deck I'm given. And I really enjoyed the robot. This is Dual Links 1.0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it is essentially like, oh, here's like a beta version of a fully artificial intelligence, like a duelist. Yeah. Like this is this is like chess master 0.1 or whatever. But, and here's my least favorite part. It is such a shame that it gets destroyed at the end of this duel. Yeah, what a, what a fucking waste. waste. Like, how cool would it have been for Kaiba to be like, 
ah, yes. And in order, like, before you can face me, you have to face off against my dueling robot with its settings set to max. It's analyzed all possible strategies, and it's been, like, neural networked programmed to see all of your... It's been following all your duels, it's seen every move you make, and it's built the perfect program to destroy you. Right, exactly. And, like, that's what the satellite system is being used for, and, like, that's why it's analyzing everything. But no, now it's just been... Now it's trash because it got punched by Obelisk the Tormentor. Right. Like, what? Kaiba. (laughs) Come on, bud. I thought you were supposed to be the smart one. Don't Falcon punch all your stuff. (laughs) Do you think Kaiba built the robot because uh, he doesn't have any friends to duel against? That was kind of my thought. Yeah. I mean, also... That way that he he can play with the safeties off, right? That's yeah. the thing. Because you can't you can't falcon punch a person. <laughs> I mean, you can, but they might. What punch is it? You back. What is that move called? What does he call it? Like oblivion punch or something? Oh, the the move a, that a, a, a punch ellipse. Yeah. Yeah, it's like something assault of oblivion. I'm going to look it up. All right. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the other reason for the robot is, is honestly, like, Kaiba just wanted to destroy something beautiful, and he was told by his PR department that if he killed a person, that would be bad. <laughs> I don't think he came to that conclusion on his own. I think that was something that had to be told to him, but still, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad either way. I just searched Oblis the Tormentor Punch, and a- apparently he does a lot of punching later in the series. Merrick gets punched. Uh, Obelisk the Tormentor's Falcon Punch. I get punched again by Obelisk. Obelisk the Tormentor is too strong. Yami gets punched. You know that saying where, like, (laughs) if your only tool is hammers, every problem looks like a nail? Yeah. If If your only tool is these fists. (laughs) Your only tool is Obelisk the Tormentor. Every problem looks like something that can be obliterated. Right, exactly. Which uh, is fair. I forget. I Uh, can't find what it's called. Oh, uh, it's fine. Special move. Anyway, that's that's my worst. I miss the dual robot already. I want to see more of Lightning the dual punch. robot. Dual robot, please come back to us. R.I.P. Dual robot. Taken before your time. Indeed. Speaking of things taken before their time, it's time for the monster bracket. Jimmy, as we do every week, we take. I don't. I don't. Hey, give me something better. All right. Uh. <laughs> Every week, Jimmy, we take two monsters that appear in season two and we pit them against each other in the Battle City Beatdown official monster bracket. This week, do you mind if I read these? Please do. We have two very special monsters that are near and dear to my heart. First up, in this corner, it's tuned in, tuned out, logged on, and weirdly asking for ASL. It's Cyberjar. And in the other corner, this wizard granted me one wish, and suddenly I'm my own father, mother, son, daughter, grandfather, and cool aunt. It's the Time Wizard. I am my own grandpa. I am my own grandpa. Is this a real song? That's a real song, my friend. (laughs) I've never heard of this, but all right. Uh, So, 
this week we have Cyberjar versus Time Wizard. Cyberjar is a uh, level three effect monster with 900 attack and defense. Time Wizard uh, is a, a level two effect monster with 500 attack and 400 defense. Uh, Jimmy, let's maybe start with Time Wizard because we saw Cyberjar in the episode. Sorry, you... I just pulled up the wiki on I'm My Own Grandpa. It's a novelty oh, song written in 1947 about a man who, through an unlikely but legal combination of marriages, becomes stepfather to his own stepmother. Tacitly dropping the step modifiers, he becomes his own grandfather. Oh, that is... There's a whole, like, family tree-like arc showing the exact sequence that you need to become your own grandpa. See, and I was referencing, uh, it's a short story by, I'm going to get this wrong, but I want to say it's Heinlein, uh, called All These Zombies. Uh, and it's a story in which uh, a man goes to a bar, and he's really sad, and the bartender says, why the long face? The man's a horse. No, uh, and the man says, well, uh, have you heard of time travel? And the bartender says, I'm familiar with the concept, yes. And the guy goes, well, it's real. Uh, you see, a while back, I met uh, a, a woman who was my soulmate, and we fell in love, uh, and we had uh, a child together, uh, and then suddenly uh, she disappeared. And so I became obsessed and invented time travel to go back in time, except there was a mistake, and I went back in time too far. Uh, and there in that life, I decided to settle down, uh, and I, I met a person, and, uh, you know, we, we settled down and had uh, another child. And then I tried using uh, time travel because I wasn't happy. I tried using time travel to go into the future a little bit so that I could meet the first soulmate. But instead, I went too far and I went into the far future and decided that I, uh, you know, should no longer, uh, I no longer identified as a man. So I had uh, a gender uh, replacement or gender, I don't know the correct word for this. And I'm so sorry. A, a, Reassignment? I, there you go. Thank you. Uh, had gender reassignment surgery and became a woman uh, and then uh, went back in time again, but then went back in time too far and fell in love with a man. Anyway, so he's explaining the story and then it turns out that all the characters in the book are the same person and he is his own uh, father, mother, daughter, son, uh, ostensibly brother and sister. Uh, and then at the end, the very end of the episode, it's revealed or the episode, the very end of the book, it's revealed that he is also the bartender. It's just all him. It's all him. It's like one of my uh, favorite gags in the web comic star slip where, uh, they're fighting a ship that just has time shifted duplicates of the same guy on it. And it's ooh. like, we can't attack the ship. And it's like, yeah, we can. It's just this guy on there. Huh? Really light him up. <laughs> Ah, shoot. I wish, I wish Lauren was still, Lauren just left for school. I wish she was still here. She, uh, her mom used to live or still lives next to, uh, a family that is comprised of three men named Daryl. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How have so I not heard Darryl, about this before? There's, there's Daryl, Big Daryl, and Little Daryl. <laughs> and I think, I'm it's pretty my favorite sure Big Cartoon Darryl's... Network show, Daryl, Daryl, and Daryl. And I'm pretty, well, so here's the thing is, so it's, it's, from my understanding, it's a father and two sons. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? My theory is is that they are time shifted doubles of each other. <laughs> it's just the uh, anyway, same guy time three wizard. times living with himself. Daryl is the time His wizard. His own best friend. What, is, what does the time wizard look like? Because <laughs> we have spent way too much time on this. We've talked about time wizard a lot, but he looks like uh, a little 
clock man. Just a just a cute like Wizard of Oz style character. He looks like TikTok. Yeah, yeah, that's a it's kind Wizard of. of Oz is a very is a good one. It reminds me of like you know the clocks that you get for kids to sort of teach them about like what time is. Yeah. Uh and you know how to how to read a clock. It reminds me a lot of that. It's like big bold colors. It's got googly eyes. Yeah, it's like the stereotypical cartoon alarm clock and then it's got like uh the hands of the clock are like its nose and like a mustache. It's got two eyes. And then it has a bunch of gears with has little elf feet and like cartoon gloves. And he's got a little staff that has his time deedly bopper on it that we've seen so before so many times. And he has now, a huge popped collar. Yeah, I was so I was about to comment on that. Jimmy, I need you to do me a favor and look up a picture of Zira the Mant real quick. Do you remember Zira the Mant? I from, remember uh, Zira the Mant. A, a little while a little while back. Look up Zira the Mant. I can't help but think of Zero the Mant in the same cadence as Return of the Mac. <laughs> Zero the Mant. Uh, okay, I'm looking at Zero the Mant. Okay, what do you notice about Zero the Mant and Time Wizard? Oh, they both have huge purple capes. They have the exact same cape and giant popped collar. Do they, Did they, Time Wizard kill Zier the Man? Do they shop at the same Capes R Us outlet? Their neighbors. Oh, I like that. There's just one Cape store. <laughs> it's at the mall. <laughs> they pass each other. Uh, hey, man, how's it going? Time Wizard. <laughs> the text for Time Wizard says, Once per turn, you can toss a coin and call it. If you call it right, destroy all monsters your opponent controls. If you call it wrong, destroy as many monsters you control as possible, and if you do, take damage equal to half the total attack those monsters had while face up on the field. Which, as we've seen before, is not at all how it works in the anime, which is, it can do whatever it wants. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, basically, nailed it. I'm still Uh, rolling my eyes at Thousand Dragon. Ugh. How about Cyber Jar? What does Cyberjar look like? Cyberjar looks like if the Death Star had a face. Yeah. Yeah, if the if the Death Star had like a like a Cyclops eye. Yeah, where the giant dish is on the front. What mm-hmm. if it had like a dome that was like an eyeball and then like a big toothy grin underneath it? Oh, that is what that is. Yeah. And then weirdly on the side, just like a Phillips head screw. Yeah. Just like one giant screw that seems to be holding everything together. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically it, actually. Like a bunch of tubes running over the metal surface. Right. Yeah, Cyberjar... Oh, man, now that I see... I, I didn't read that as a smile at first for some reason, but now that I see it, it's really unsettling. Yeah, it's like... Like, a, it's a big, like... It's like a Mike Cheshire Wazowski kind of... Yeah. ...face on oh, this jar. It's like if Mike Wazowski was consumed by the Cybermen. Yeah. Uh, the the text of the card is interesting. So the text says uh, flip. Uh, so when it's gone from face down to face up, uh, destroy all monsters on the field. Then both players reveal the top five cards from their deck. Then special summon all revealed level four or lower monsters in face up attack position or face down defense position. Also add any remaining cards to their hand. If either player has less than five cards in their deck, reveal as many as possible. And then I'm noticing this card is explicitly 
forbidden. This card is no longer allowed in tournament play. <laughs> you can't use it. Uh, I don't know. It looks, I mean, probably because it does so many things. Like, it's it's got a lot going on there of the whole, like, okay, everything's destroyed. Now draw some. Now play some. Now, like, do whatever. It feels like maybe that's why. It's doing too much. Yeah. It's interesting because this matchup has two cards that do just crazy random effects that apply right. to basically everyone on the field. Yeah, so Cyberdraw applies to everyone on the field. Time Wizard applies to one side or the other, but can yeah. be equally sort of disastrous. I think in terms of just the art, I may have to give the edge to Cyberjar because now I am completely unsettled by this smile. I can't tell how big it's supposed to be. That's, yeah, that was the other thing. It's like, it could be tennis ball sized. It could be, I mean, we saw it in the episode, the the episode that we just watched. Like, it's, it's, you know, like an maybe the size of a, yeah, it's not big. But in this but art, it looks Neither huge. is Time Wizard. It looks like it right, could, could be... Uh, the Could size Death of Star. the moon. Yeah, Death Star size. Yeah. That's no moon. That's a cyber jar. Uh, how are you feeling about this matchup? Where where, where do your uh, allegiances lie? Uh, as much as I like Time Wizard, um, I don't know. Uh, all the times we see it in the anime, it's just mm-hmm. done total bullshit. And like doing yes. it on based on this the card itself... Uh, it's not quite as compelling as advancing time a thousand years or reducing all your opponents to dust or whatever. Yeah. And, and you know, so far we haven't really like, we, we've gone pretty strictly to the card text with maybe one or two exceptions. Like I know blue eyes, white dragon, we were like, eh, it's got the cultural sort of cachet there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, if we're looking at just the text of Time Wizard, it's kind of underwhelming a little bit. Like, you gotta flip a coin, you gotta do the, the thing. I do like the fact that it's, like, a mini-game that you play during the actual duel. It's like that is cool. a kind yeah. of a timeout while you do this other thing, and if you do it right, it's great for you. And if you do it wrong, it totally sucks. Right. I, I like that element of chance. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is good. Whereas with Cyberjar, it's kind of just like, nah, everyone's fucked for a second. Yeah, we've just seen. We've this is the first time we've seen Cyberjar, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like it has the potential to be more interesting later. I don't know if it comes back though. Oh, I'm not sure actually. Uh, let's see. We can see what episodes it appears in. It does come back. It comes back much later in this season, in oh. episode twenty. I do like that it destroys... It's also another element Oh, no, pardon of me. That's, it comes back next season. It's actually... They don't list this episode at all on the website. Oh, so. weird. Probably because it wasn't an actual duel. It just appeared Maybe. so quickly that it can't hardly be said to have appeared at all. <laughs> could, it could be, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the next time it appears supposedly is next season. This also has an element of chance, though depending mm-hmm. on what happens when you, how you shuffle your deck. It could like really radically shift the balance of power. Um, honestly, I think this is kind of a toss-up. I do like Cyberjar's look, but... 
Yeah, for sure. Cyber Dress Look is pretty good. I'm going to go to, because I feel like it's a toss-up as well, I'm actually going to go to the audience on this one, and I'm going to look at the selfies that each card has <laughs> yeah, <laughs> attached do it. to it on Yu-Gi-Oh.com. Uh, unsurprisingly, Cyberjar has none, and Time Wizard has three. And uh, it is three folks who look stoked to have Time Wizard. Time Wizard. So I think that's got to give Time Wizard the edge here, if I'm going to be honest. In the spirit of both of these cards, or rather, I guess just one of these cards, but do you want to add some chance to this matchup? Do you want to flip a coin? Jimmy, I really do. (laughs) I truly do. Let's let's make this happen. Let me reach in here and get this toonie that I got while I was in Canada. Perfect. Uh, Head or bearer? (laughs) Which is their version of tails. Uh, okay, so I'm going to say uh, Heads, Time Wizard, Bear, Cyber Jar. All right, you ready? I'm ready. It's Cyber Jar. Cyber Jar wins. In a dramatic photo finish, Cyber Jar takes the lead, and the coin comes up Bear. Uh, congratulations, Cyber Jar. You won uh, on, a, on a coin toss. <laughs> Uh, I feel like that's in the spirit of the thing. I like Time Wizard a lot, and I appreciate how much bullshit you can do with it just in the anime, but you can't do that in real life, and it's very disappointing to me. No, and I'm glad that if Time Wizard had to lose, it lost by its own rules. That's fair. That's fair. That's life. That's life. You know who else is going to lose by his own rules? Kaiba. Huh. But, well, I, okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, but yeah, right? Like, these are Chekhov's smoking rules, but we could talk about that next time. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at yampod. Uh, you can visit our website, heartofthe.cards. You can go to the monster bracket at heartofthe.cards slash bracket. Uh, pretty much everything that we've talked about today will be in the show notes. Uh, if we can go uh, to you your website to... sandwich.computer yeah I mean you know that's my new my new default domain sandwich computer I like it I enjoy I it love uh, you can computer. also go to the website by going to welcome to flavor.town tyler.games um, you know I I have a problem <laughs> uh, Jimmy uh, your podcast uh, Dungeons Against Humanity wrapped up season one yep. uh, what last week two weeks ago a couple now weeks ago now couple weeks ago so uh if folks have not listened to that please go listen to it uh dungeons against humanity.net uh dah podcast on twitter the podcast i feel like i'm forgetting something am i forgetting something no i don't have anything else going on hooray hooray well next time we're gonna be talking about uh episode five and i i think we're one episode away from battle city starting so we'll see what happens until next time You're sure you want to go through with this? I have no choice, Taya. It is my destiny. All right.